We've done the top shooters and we've done the top playmakers. Now let's find out who are the top big men in the 2023 NBA draft. Me and my co-host Richard Stamen, we're going to break it down for you. Stay tuned. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board your first listen of the day. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to, but faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, with my co-host, Richard Stamen. I am the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. While Richard is Mr. Mavs Draft, but I saw him at the Mavericks game with an Orlando Magic shirt on. Can you explain to the audience what was going on there? I mean, you're Mavs Draft, you were in (laughs) Dallas, and you were wearing a Magic shirt. I've never regretted in my life going up to somebody and having the confidence to say hi to somebody in my life as much as I do now the other night doing that. I, I got a nice hug from Nick Ingstad and uh, instead I also got roasted by one Rafael Barlow. No, I, uh, you know, I, I was rooting for the Mavs. It was very and very interesting experience because the people behind me, like my girlfriend was wearing a Mavs shirt, like a loyal Mavs fan. And then, um, uh, I was wearing a magic shirt and they go, Oh, I'm with her, like, and all this stuff. And like, and they were like trying to roast me and whatever. And I was like, man, I'm so sorry to break this to you, but like, I actually like both teams. So, and they were very confused. I was like, not in a bandwagon way. I'm literally from Orlando. Like, I, I don't know. I like seeing, uh, I like being just like, so one time a year I can actually support the magic in person. I still want to, my objective was the magic need to lose the loss because Victor Wembanyama exists and the Mavs need to win. So I was still pulling for the Mavs. I'd like to clarify, but. <laughs> so wearing a Cole Anthony t-shirt you thought would help Orlando lose so they can get Wembanyama. My objective was, I mean, I wasn't far from the bench. So like, you know, when they look over and they see 50 who and Cole Anthony was just out for the game. Like he just got hurt. I thought it would make him sad and like, you know, completely ruin the momentum. So, yeah. All right. Well, speaking of Victor Wimbayama, I'm, you know, he's obviously the the top pick in this 2023 draft and the NBA has decided to put him on the NBA app so fans can watch him. And I'm just going to go on a limb here and guess he is your top big in the 2023 NBA class, unless you got a, a yeah, crazy surprise for us. It's a pretty big hot take, but yeah, I really like Victor Wembanyama. Like what were your initial thoughts on him before the showcase in Vegas? And then what were your thoughts on him after Vegas? Yeah. My thoughts were really like, I feel like there was a lot we haven't gotten to see because the culture in Europe, when you play as a young player, you aren't able to showcase everything. So I was really excited to see what he could do. I, I figured there was more guard skills than he had ever been able to show. And lo and behold, that's what it was. Uh, for me, it was just trying to, the big takeaway, the big expectation I had, and he fully blew it out of the park, was how would he play against a team that plays just way different. Like the G League Ignite in the in the Metropolitan's 92 they play way different style of basketball. And so I was curious to see how he'd adjust. And like, honestly, he set the tone for a style he doesn't play overseas. It was really cool to see. Like, I, I was a big fan of that. Yeah, I spoke to a, a scout that's very familiar with him. And, 
you know, we were talking about, I said, did you, did you expect this? And his exact words were, come on, man, you've seen how good Luca was when he, when the rules were in favor of, you know, a star player. And he's like, you know, with, with, he said he's basically the best European prospect since Luca. And Luca's adjustment was very easy because the NBA rules cater towards stars and spacing and so on. So he said he wasn't surprised by how Victor played, which I still think that's kind of crazy in a sense. Because even his agent, those two only two people, his agent and this particular scout said that they expected 30 point games, which I mean I was extremely high on Victor, but I thought, oh, you know, if he gets 17, 10, and 4, he'll do enough to, like, show that he's worthy of the number one pick, but he blew that out of the water. But we talked about Victor enough in the past few weeks, and I'm sure we're going to talk about him a lot more. So now this is where I'm very curious to see about your board or your list. Who is the number two big man on your on your board? Yeah, I really like Derek Lively at Duke. Um, It's unfortunate he's kind of hurt right now. I don't know how the severity of it. So we didn't get to see him. We won't. I I can't remember if they played. I want to say they did play a preseason game. So uh, I know he was out for a game, and I assume that's what it was. I'm a big fan of Lively, though. Like 247 had him as the number one recruit for this last year. I think that says a lot. You look at a seven, what is he, seven one? He can shoot the ball. I mean, defends. I think he can defend the perimeter pretty easily. And he is a monster down low on both ends. Like he will protect the paint with no issue. And also he can score at ease because he's so long. So if he can be aggressive at college and just dominate the same way he dominated EYBL, I think he's the second best big in this class and really would be the consensus first if it wasn't for the generational prospect in women. So interesting. So I, man, I wish I could play it. So I interviewed a, a scout today. He was not high on Lively at all. Didn't have him as a lottery pick. His his opinion was almost the exact opposite of yours. He felt like the the motor is inconsistent. He thought that he got away in high school because he was bigger than everyone else. He didn't think that he was a a dominant like one on one shot blocker. He thought that. Um, he thought he, in so many words, he thought he was just soft. He thought that he wasn't physical on, on the low block. He's kind of easily pushed around. And he he didn't think that he was Duke. He, I think he said he thought he was Duke's third or fourth best player for for this draft. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see. It's 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 always cool because everybody has different opinions and you guys are total opposites. Do you think that lively can be a floor spacer i think is a spot up guy right now yes i i don't know how consistent it is and that kind of just comes with the one thing i do acknowledge like i don't think he's necessarily wrong we don't know what he's gonna look like in a non-high school environment i also said those exact same things about Jalen duran last year and like honestly none of it was true i thought he was way bigger than everybody and i thought he wasn't that dominant he also played with lively funny enough but yeah i I think he's going to be a floor spacer, though, to, to answer your question. I've, I haven't seen anything, honestly, from his club because I think it's pretty hard to find film outside of, like, YouTube highlights. 
but I think his form from after junior season was projectable enough and he seemed like he got a real follow through and things like that. I'm willing to project it as a tool. I don't know how positive or negative it'll be, but I think he will attempt a lot of three or some amount of threes per game. Yeah, I spoke with someone about Lively at the Tennessee Gonzaga game, which was in Dallas this weekend. And this particular person said that he thought Lively was good, but then he thought that because he was ranked number one in his class for a period, then it started to get to the point where people start nitpicking. And he believes that because people are just starting to pick at his flaws that they are possibly under undervaluing him. So that that could be pretty – that's a pretty fair assessment, I would say. All right, when we return, we have a few more prospects that we like to cover. But these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. So that's why you have to check out LinkedIn.com because you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best candidates – the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and more importantly, for free. So add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and more importantly, who you'd like to hire. And it is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to and faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That is linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, and you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. I have my co-host, Richard Stamen, and we want to thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Check out Locked On Sports today for the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. So go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today. It is available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right. Number three on your board. Yeah, I think it has to be Khalil Ware. Um, I'm not super high on him. It's just like I feel like there's three guys at the top, and then there's just a drop-off. Unless I'm absolutely blanking on somebody, my board is just wrong. I think it's Khalil Ware. Now, I've heard a lot of people say the same things I just said about Lively in favor of Ware. Personally, I wasn't very impressed with him at the U18s. I thought he was just a big body more than a physically imposing force. But I can see the appeal. I don't know if the jump shot is anywhere close to ready. It's cool that he can and will attempt those shots, but I don't think he's anywhere near consistent on that. Like He's very far from that. And also, like, like you said with Lively, with the motor, I have very real concerns about about where's motor because it looked like when he was guarding the perimeter he just didn't even try and i don't know if that was just because he was better than everybody at the tournament or what it was but that was a big turnoff to me i thought you know he had a chance to show out as just an absolutely dominant force and he just trying to kind of chose to play within himself yeah i think the appeal for where over lively now is because where is such a late bloomer 
And he's someone that wasn't on people's list probably 18 months ago or two years ago. And, you know, a lot of people say that he was probably like the fastest rising player in this class. And people are really intrigued with his with his upside. I have heard from people that have watched him up close as far as working out in the last few weeks that the jump shot is is legit and that they are buying into him being a floor spacer. If if not this year, if it's not in the offense, then someone that will be a floor spacer in, in the NBA in the very near future. So I think some people are just more, like I said, just intrigued by him being a late bloomer and, and the upside. And you can even say when you're like a late bloomer, it's kind of like you're the unknown commodity as opposed to someone that people have, you know, <laughs> had on their list as an NBA prospect since they were like 14. So it it would be very interesting to see like who ends up being the choice or, or or like the first one off the board between those two because it's almost like a debate a little rivalry between those two guys because they are alternating as the the top big men in college basketball all right who's next on your list so there there's a huge drop off like i'm i'm looking and um, unless we're counting like small power forwards, it, there there's like no other guy I have a first round grade on at this moment for big men. I have somebody though. The next guy on my list is, and and I want to preface actually, I think a lot of times bigs are the ones that they're unknown, right? They they randomly emerge. It happens with a lot of prospects, but I feel like bigs, it really happens. There's always every year somebody we're like, dang, where did this guy come from? So I think that'll happen again, and it's probably going to be a and a, a freshman or sophomore, but at this moment, I don't see anybody that really stands out. I'm sure I'm missing somebody just the like just that is completely off my radar. But the next one I really like is uh, Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana. He was somebody I told myself I I just you know if he can't shoot, he's not going to stick. But I buy the athleticism, I buy the motor, I buy the defense, and you know we're both in Dallas. We've seen Dwight Powell carve out a role as a great pick and roll role man with Luka Doncic. Trace Jackson Davis is probably better at rolling, I think, in terms of just skill. Uh, motor, I think, is mostly there, but, you know, how does it scale up to the next level? And on top of that, he plays defense. And, look, Dwight Powell has been an advanced staff at Darling, and those guys have a place in this league. So I, I'm very high on him. It's funny you mention it. At the game last night, I was talking to Nick Angstead from Locked On Mavs, and I was like, how long has Dwight been with the Mavs? And he was part of the Rondo trade. He is by far like the longest tenured guy. And I think Nick said he's been there nine years. That's pretty amazing in today's NBA climate for a guy to have been in one city for nine years. I can't think of, I mean, who else has been with Haslam. the same team? For, oh, yeah, Haslam's been there for 40 years. <laughs> but Haslam, off the top of my head, who else has been with the team for that long? There's probably somebody we're blanking on, but like, yeah, it's, it's really unheard of. I think if you're, and if you exclude players that were drafted by their team and then got super max and stuff, I think this list is ridiculously short because yeah, yeah there are some that like, have been there, like Bill. Yeah. Bill's Dane. been there, but like he was a <laughs> number three pick and got a, yeah. has multiple max contracts. So like, of course, but like outside of that, you don't hear of role players, especially staying with their team. Like, I really feel like there's somebody, but with so much turnover and such, it's really hard to be at a place, honestly, more than six years. Yeah. I mean, think if he was part of the Rondo trade, 
think of all the guys that he's played with that are like, I mean, from Devin Harris to Monte Ellis to Dirk, all these guys have been out of the league for a while. Uh, I think Dwight, do you think Dwight was a little more bouncier than than Trace? Because Dwight was pretty bouncy. I mean, I, yeah, I feel like but... that was his only, that was his best skill. I do remember one year they were trying to turn him into a shooter uh but yeah do you think Dwight was more bouncy at the same time I mean yes but no I think if you measure their verticals well at, at college like out of Stanford I think he might have had a better number but if you talk about explosiveness in game I think Trace Jackson Davis beats him out like there's been a lot of bodies that Trace Jackson Davis has caught and he's not afraid to finish through contact like like that and on the lobs and such and really even just one dribble or on the straight roll into a dunk Trace Jackson Davis knew that a lot better than Dwight Powell came and so like it, like in terms of raw numbers i actually think dwight powell might have the edge but in terms of actual functional athleticism i favor trace jackson davis yeah functional athleticism i don't know what it is now because the thompson twins only had a 40 inch vert <laughs> at only? their pro day <laughs> yeah but i mean i would have if you would have told me 48 i would have been like okay yeah <laughs> See, here's the thing though like with 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 vertical like it tells somewhat of a story but like there's a big part of it where it's how quick can you get off the ground like that is not captured at all in that and that's a huge part of athleticism that's that's actually yeah. a big thing i like in lively i think he gets off the ground with no hesitation and that's big especially for big men like this guy's a bust but marvin bagley had one of the best second jumps i can remember and you know that isn't measured in the vertical that kind of stuff just can't be there yep i i agree i mean even like luca like he's never gonna test athletically but the way he shifts gears and changes directions yep the most yep. athletic guys can't keep him out, out the paint he's but then again acceleration like that's a real thing yeah harden but then again luca can just decide to play bully ball if if you if you can stay in front of him all right who is the next person on your list and the it's getting more and more obscure over here there's, you know, there's there's like one or two guys who I'm looking at here. One, I want to put on this, but I just don't know if he's actually going to come out this year. I like the physical tools as maybe like a, this is a very loose comparison through only seeing very limited of this person, but Adam Bona, maybe like in, in a way, he almost reminds me of the way the fluidity on the perimeter of like Musa Diabate a little bit, but I, or Biate, whatever it was, but you know, that's that's about as far as the comparison they make. I don't know if their games are actually similar. Uh, but I am a, a sucker for these mobile bigs. It's him or Tristan Vucevic as the next guy for me. So I've watched Bona for years. When I, I lived in Turkey, he was a youngin. He might have been like 14 or whatever. And at the time, they were like, is he really 14? And so he was at this under-18 tournament. He was probably 16 at the time, but he was at the under-18 tournament. I've talked about it plenty of times, which was like the best under-18 tournament that I've seen. Pokashevsky, Wagner, Garuba, Aldama, Shingun. Um, so I'm missing somebody else. Very talented group, but he played. He was actually Shingun's backup. And I remember just kind of like, taking notes on him because he was a freak athlete. He was just the, the best athlete there by far, but he was extremely raw. Like he had to play limited minutes because he block a shot at the square and then just totally get lost. And I feel like, so that was 2019. It's 2022. And I 
still feel like he's still raw. That like he's gotten a little bit better, but the thing that I do not like about him, and I know that's such a that's so such strong words, but when you watch his film, count how many times he falls on the ground. He is like Embiid in a sense to where he's always on the ground. Every time he shoots a shot, any type of contact, he falls down and it turns into like a transition opportunity for the other team. So my focus for him this year is to see if he's improved his balance or, or whatever it is because he's always on the ground but he is super bouncy i mean he's your energy guy um you know he's going to be a vertical lob threat it's going to be a shot blocker but i don't know if he's like if he's going to be able to put on enough weight or strength to be a five he's going to be like a, someone that I don't know. He could be like Stromile Swift or something like that. And that was in a, a totally different era. I mean, he's not going to be dunking on guys like Strom. I don't think he's that level of, of, of an athlete, which, you know, who, who is. But very interesting. All right, I want to ask you about Kyle Filipowski because I wonder if you have him as a four or a five. And we'll get your answer when we return. All right, last segment. And I want to ask Richard about another Dookie, Kyle Filipowski. So I'm guessing that you probably have him more so as a five or as a four than a five. Am I correct there? Yeah, I, I see him more that way. He reminds me a lot of Matthew Hurt. And he's somebody who I, even though he's like, he's a little bit taller than Matthew Hurt, but he's somebody who I never would have considered a, a five. So same logic applies to Filipowski. Now, until I see him at Duke, maybe things change, but I'm just not banking on him being the defensive anchor. Yeah, man. Matthew Hurt had a good year. His last, his second year, he shot the ball well. And he's a guy that I have not seen in an NBA uniform. Last I remember, he was playing for the Grizzlies G League team, playing for the Memphis Hustle. But he's someone who I wonder, like, if he stays four years, does it help him? Or is he just a victim of... You you had these high expectations. You need to leave before your stock falls. What are your thoughts on? Even though I mean, this is kind of off the subject a little bit. I mean, bit. I was he was the ACC Most Improved Player of the Year. You're about to be shocked from what I'm about to say, but you know, I I think Isaiah Wong had a better case that year. Um, he had a massive improvement. Uh, Matt Hurt went from like good to really good, uh, but Wong went from like nobody to really good. But totally different story for another day. But with uh, Matthew Hurt, I I was never a fan. He did one thing and one thing only. Like it felt like it felt like you know he could shoot. It was a slow shot, and I, my whole thing was how does he translate? He felt like a bigger Ryan Brokoff. Like he might try on defense, like Brokoff did, and that's about like the only other thing he's going to bring to your team other than shooting. Like you just kind of want him to be a spot up shooter. Yeah, he's tall, but like how much role? How much of a role can you really carve out unless you're absolutely elite at it being a spot-up shooter at that size? I, I think he was doomed whether or not he stayed four years or two years. That's fair. Now, is there anybody else that, that you have as like an honorable mention on your list? Yeah, a couple guys. So Tristan Vukcevic, we talked about him a few times. Uh, it's kind of the same story as Filipowski. Um, honestly, like they're not that dissimilar. I feel like I know you've seen him. So if you have any thoughts, I'm curious about that. I've seen him, but I haven't seen him. Like, okay. You seen I went like to watch off. him play, and he didn't really, really get in, which is, you know, typical for 
for young guys in, in Europe. And we talked about it on the podcast that I, I did um, yesterday with uh, Fedor Zuzic. It's like once you're like between 18 through 22 in Europe, you kind of like disappear. You got to find a team that's going to give you those developmental minutes, but the fan base doesn't trust young guys. It's just total opposite of the States. You know, I remember like hearing Knicks fans say, Evan Fournier, we need to get him out of here. We need to play Cam Reddish more minutes. We need to play Quentin Grant. It's like in the NBA, we like the upside more than we like the known commodity. Yep. And so uh, with, with Tristan, I talked about it on another podcast. I think that, eventually partisan i mean they're a euroleague team you don't really see guys getting a lot of minutes on euroleague teams if they're young and experienced i still think they're probably going to bring in some veteran at the end of of the season or, or the middle of the season to take those minutes because they were they received a bunch of money from the government and they, they need to win they need to win the euroleague so i like him do you think that he's athletic or not He's like uh, runway athletic. Sometimes he makes plays. I'm like, okay, he's a good athlete. And then sometimes I'm like, all right, he seems like he has high hips and can be a little, a little stiff. I think if you're talking, can he finish above the rim and make chase down blocks? Yes. If you're talking about useful half court sets, no. Is Are you buying the jump shot? Yeah, I buy the jump shot. Uh, it's I shouldn't, but he gets it off so quick uh, that release is insanely fast, especially when you're six eleven. It looks good. It 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 doesn't go in as as much as you you think right. it would, but every shot looks like it's it's money. Do you have anybody that could be a surprise big? Like I saw a guy at the Tennessee Gonzaga game, and maybe it was just a flash, but Jonas to do he. 6'11", sophomore, didn't play a whole lot last year. Um, he showed some flash to me, big body, and he took three threes. He he made one out of three, but it's like you don't really see guys at that size with that length, and if he can consistently knock down shots, I think he could be a player this year. Yeah, I haven't heard of him. There were two other guys, three other guys I actually wanted to bring up. One's F.A. Abigidi. Uh, the other Oscar Shibuya is somebody he's not at all the unknown, but like for the true unknown, uh, actually, I don't even think he's that unknown. He was like a top 40 player, but for whatever reason, I hadn't even heard of him until Kentucky's scrimmage game. I might botch it, but um, on Yenso, I, I can't say his first name. I think it's Ugona. Um, I really like him. The kid is long. He has great instincts on timing. Like I, I love his defense and I'm really excited to see what he does at Kentucky. I think he's an underrated recruit when you look at Chris Livingston and Casey Wallace got a lot of attention for that recruit class on Yenso was really lost in that I I honestly had no idea who he was until that game and I really liked what I saw I have one for you this is a wild card Jamarian Sharp have you had a chance to watch him play yeah so I, I was actually going to say he's somebody who like you almost have to bring up because he's 7'4 I saw I, my favorite thing I've ever seen was last uh, in March, actually, in the Conference USA tournament. I saw Kenneth Lofton post him up and win. Uh, Kenneth Lofton being 6'7", Jamar Sharp being 7'4". Nobody can is, stop Kenneth. I mean, I mean, he's <laughs> – we've seen him. Any skinny big that's super long, we've seen him go through Victor. 
We've seen him go through Chet, and we've seen yep. him go through Jamar. So yeah, no, nobody can stop him. Nobody. It's it's nuts. So, but that being said, I actually do think Sharp is pretty good. Like he, yeah, he has a lot of favors being like way bigger than literally anybody in college. It's not named like Zach Eady, but he moves playing well. In the conference USA. Yeah, he's another kind of sleeper. But like, I think Sharp actually has pretty good instincts, and I, I, he'll get a chance. Like if the way I look at it, like he's a better prospect than Taco Fall. Yeah. And granted, he's like two or three inches shorter. Still better. He's still very, very raw. Yep. Very raw. But you know, when I remember seeing like, okay, there's this guy that's seven five. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm sure he's gonna be this slow guy. But then you watch him and you see the way he's moving out of like screens and, and rolling. You're like, okay, this guy has something. That he just gotta stop fouling. But I read that he was just like an extremely, extremely late bloomer. I think I read somewhere he was like 6'8 as a junior in high school, and then he just kept on growing, and and he got a scholarship. <laughs> Even though uh, Western Kentucky went to watch somebody else play, the coach saw him, and then his high school coach worked him out like after the game or like at halftime or something like that and just told him to shoot hooks, <laughs> and he made some hooks, and he got a scholarship offer. But he like averaged like two points a game or something like that in, in high school. So um, they've taken their time with him. But yeah, I could definitely see a team, you know, taking a shot at him as a two way guy, trying to develop him in the G League for a couple of years. And then if it doesn't work out, he can end up like Taco Fall, who's playing right now in in China. So, hey, one more for you, actually. Sorry to to kill the flow, but what about uh, Eugenio Marui's brother, Cliff? at Rutgers. I've seen players talk highly of him, and I, I like his game outside of the fact that he has bad hands. I mean, if you don't have good hands, then I don't even want to care. It's tough. I mean, Bismack <laughs> Biombo has been in the league 10 years, so... His hands got better. I've seen him. I saw That's him catch true. a lot. That's true. And, but, I mean, Bismack was, what, the seventh pick? So you're going to continue to continue to get chances. True. Chances. True. And then, for whatever reason, during that era in Charlotte, they just... It was almost like, all right, we made some bad choices. We're just sticking with them. <laughs> MKG played forever and Zeller played forever in Charlotte. Hey, hey, as Zeller's look alike, I will have you know he is good. Injuries hurt him more than skill hurt him. Yeah, I was he still there. wasn't worth a pick, but I was there 13 14 season, and that was the year Al Jefferson was unstoppable. And still, the buzz was Zeller's gonna be the guy in a couple years. And I was, you know, I mean, he tested like a freak athlete at the combine. He think he tested like better athletically than Blake Griffin and, and so on. So yeah, I do feel like Charlotte kept a few of those guys there for a long, long time. All right, man. Thank you so much. That wraps it up. Thank you to the audience for making the Locked On NBA Big Boys your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, you got to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast because it is the biggest stories of the day. Plus, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Rafael Barlow with my guy, Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs Draft, even though he wore a magic shirt at a Mavericks game. And we are out.